0: Big nasty, yeah, big nasty Hall of Fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. Tannin Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening and you're missing out. Woo! Buccaneers football is back, but that means it's the hottest time of the year for us Floridians. If you're planning on going to any of the games this year, make sure you check out our friends at Cool Towel. It's an all natural, instant cooling towel, no water. No refrigeration, no prep of any kind is needed before use. Just take it out of the bag, shake it up, and it's good to go. Best of all, you can use it again when you're done with the resealable pouch. Make sure you check them out online at CoolTowel.com, and when you place your order, tell them Red sent you. understand that this is the 2018 bucks. You know, it's a whole different vibe, whole different energy. You know, it's like, ah. Uh. You know what I mean? You can, you can smile a little bit, you know? And since I got here, man, we've just been grinding. And guys got the same exact goal, man, and just coming together as a team here. years. by Gerald McCoy. And Williams fires over the
1: middle of Giles. Open 40. It's a foot race. O.J. O.K. Howard, touchdown, Tampa Bay. All start up the gut, and he goes to the end zone. Inside the 2-1, touchdown, Tampa Bay. That's intercepted, and the 10, going coast to coast. 5-3-2-1, touchdown, Brent Ryan. Come on, Alexander! We'll take it to the house!
0: Up until this point but I'm tired of it enough is enough when you're consistently setting NFL records and leading the league with how bad you are on defense you should be fired at this point it doesn't even matter who you have in that defensive backfield I've never been one to like the idea of a mid-season firing but this has become a problem that isn't going to be fixed let's pull the trigger and get rid of Mike Smith is what I was planning to open up the show until I found out that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have fired defensive coordinator Mike Smith today. I I mean, a couple of hours ago the news broke. What was it, like noon? Noon, 1 o'clock, I'm I'm thinking maybe. But we're pretty damn happy about that right now. Now, obviously, there's a lot of things about the game on Sunday we have to discuss that are inexcusable. But I can confidently say I I feel like our main problem with this Bucs defense has been fixed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a brand new episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast here today for episode 36 on YouTube, iTunes, and Google Play. I am your host, the Bias Bucks fan, Rhett. Joined alongside me as always, my good buddy and co-host, Mr. Bucks Football, Evan. And Evan, I gotta say I'm feeling pretty good, but uh, a lot of things happening with with the Bucks today. How are you feeling?
1: Uh, Well, it's definitely a, a busier Monday um, especially at, you know, a Monday after a loss, you normally don't hear this kind of busy news. So, uh, it's definitely interesting,
0: you know, and it's, it's one of those things that Mike Smith has been an issue. I, I don't want to say since the start of the season, but he's been very heavily talked about and tossed around with Bucks fans. I would say these last two or three weeks. Um, and I, I was pretty sold on the idea that, you know, he's not going to be going anywhere until after the season. You know, I I really didn't think there was anything he could do. Well, I mean, I'm sure there was, because obviously there was something he could do to lose his job in the middle of the season, but I felt that the Glazers were set in their ways. Didn't want to shake anything up in the middle of the season. Um, and here we are. Um linebacker coach Mark Duffner was promoted to be the interim defensive coordinator, I assume, for the rest of the year. Um and Mike Smith is gone. Uh you look at the decisions that had to be made. I believe it came out that the decision was Dirk Cutter's decision. Um, you know, so obviously that's going to be tough for him because we've talked before here on the show about how him and Mike Smith have been very close. I, I don't think those guys have not worked together in a in a number of years, even on the Atlanta staff and then on the Tampa Bay staff. But Mike Smith is gone, dude. You know, it, it was this after the game. And we'll get to the game here next. Um, but after the game on Sunday against Atlanta, I-, I wrapped that game up. And I know that everybody's thought was just Mike Smith and what's going to happen with this defense moving forward. Because the numbers don't lie. This is the worst defense in the NFL. The Bucks' offense is playing lights out. And they're doing their job. Jameis Winston went out through for 400 yards. Four touchdowns. Two picks. Which, uh, um...
1: Same stat line as Patrick Mahomes.
0: (laughs) Well, obviously, Patrick Mahomes needs to be traded. He's not the franchise guy over there, all right? He threw two picks in one game. That's not the guy they're looking for, obviously. And then last
1: week, he threw two interceptions. Oh,
0: my God. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, man. Something going on with the quarterback situation over there. But our franchise is here, and Mike Smith is gone. So I got to tell you, man, I can almost excuse the game that we saw on Sunday. Almost. Mike Smith is gone, which makes me just glad because it feels like the Bucks have done something right when it comes to the fans and how they feel. Um, but enough about that. We know what's going on there. Let's actually talk about this game on Sunday. So, first half of the game was, was pretty ugly. Um, I don't think there's any sugarcoating that. You know, there's a lot of opportunities missed by the Buccaneers team. In the first half of football, Chandler Catanzaro missing the first extra point right out of the gate. And that was a pretty methodic drive to get the offense down the field and score, which was great. But then you miss the extra point, obviously drains a little bit of momentum. And then from there, it just felt like nothing could get going the way that it was supposed to. um, That entire first half. But, you know, your thoughts on that first half of play.
1: Well, I mean, as you said th- with the first drive, I thought the first drive was fantastic. Um, it's really the first time you've seen the Bucks have a, a balanced attack. Uh, Peyton Barber was able to spring off a 20-yard run or so, I believe. Pretty close to 20 yards. Um, and really, it looked good. The, the offense looked good. and Winston throwing the ball, threw a pass to Deshaun Jackson in the end zone. That could have been picked. Uh, luckily, it wasn't, and then the, the next play was uh, to toss to Cameron Bright. And you know, the thing with with Catanzaro is, I mean, Cutter talked about it a bit in the post game uh, yesterday, and he just said, you know, well, when you get down there, and then you score a touchdown, you know, it does it does hurt to to miss the the extra point, like you said, right out of the gate. I mean, they had scored uh, three or four minutes in, so I mean, that hurts. But I mean, he was. Per- I don't really know what happened on that kick. It, it looked like the, the snap and hold was fine uh, because he didn't really he didn't miss any other kick. So right, um, it, it looked like it, it was fine. But it ended up costing the Bucks because um, as we'll, we'll get to a little bit later, probably if he ends up making that kick, it's, uh, it's, an overtime it's a different situation. game. It's a different well, yeah. Possibly, yeah. Um, but I mean, as for the defense, we knew what this defense was going to do. Um, yeah, we knew that the Atlanta offense was good, especially in Atlanta. We knew that the game was going to be a shootout. But yes, the offense, excuse me, in the first half was a little bit of a disappointment. And, you know, it and that's like when you said, you know, just couldn't get anything going. That's the biggest thing to me on the offensive side of the ball. The defense side of the ball, I expected that. But yeah it was really tough for the offense to not really get any other flow besides that, that first drive. And then towards the end of the, of the uh, first half.
0: Exactly. And uh, something I wanted to mention about that defense in particular, you know, the defense was just as bad as we said it would be, but the third down defense is something that I wanted to highlight a little bit. You know, there were a couple of instances where a big first and second down stop were thrown out the window come third down. And I mean, we're talking chunk plays like, You know, they were able to convert a 3rd and 9 seamlessly, I'm pretty sure. And then there was another one where I believe it was 3rd and 17, and they were able to find a way uh, to weasel out of that and convert. I think they were damn near perfect on 3rd downs up until until halftime. I don't remember the actual number. But it it just felt like on those 3rd down plays, we were playing scared. Now, obviously, that can all relate back to Mike Smith, who is gone now. But it felt like this was a scared secondary. Playing deep, expecting the deep ball. And I feel like when the defense did get going, because, you know, in the second half, obviously JPP had a sack, so good on him. He's still out here doing his thing. We'll get to him a little later as well. But it felt like the only time I ever saw this defense produce on the field is when they were in man coverage or just playing press coverage. And I I don't understand why we were playing so scared for so long.
1: Well... I mean, yes, and you could put that on Mike Smith a little bit, but it's also on these players. And, and I mean, just like, I mean, I just listened to the Pewter Nation podcast, uh, Pewter Report, our, our partners over there. And, I mean, they've basically been saying, you know, yeah, it, it's partly scheme, but it's partly that the players just weren't the greatest. Right. They they, they weren't that good on, on Sunday, you know. Um, they just weren't. It's There's nothing else to totally say about it. Um, and really how much can you blame it on Mike Smith? So just like Cutter had said, you know, it's Mike Smith. Isn't the one missing tackles. Mike Smith isn't the one blowing, blowing coverages. coverages and- so I mean that <laughs> all that stuff, it, it's true. I mean, it, it's not, it's not lying, but the other thing is, and I actually had said this in, in the group chat a little bit, everybody's saying, Oh man, well now the season's saved. This defense isn't going to change much. Um, Right. I I I was
0: I was gonna ask about that actually. You know, you bring in Duffner, he's obviously going to mix things up a little bit. But how much of that same defense are they gonna carry over? You know, we're not gonna see anything drastically different throughout the end of the season. It's gonna Um, be
1: ninety, probably ninety-five percent the same. The only thing you might see is maybe more timing of the blitzes, maybe more blitzes, more linebacker blitzes because you know Duffner was the linebackers coach, so. And Duffner will also continue to be the linebackers coach, so you're not going to see many differences. You're really not. So I mean, really, I know I know what's going to happen. You know, the Bucks defense is going to suck again, um, and then they're going to say, "Oh well, okay, well this guy's not good either." Well, it's it's expected, honestly, because even I do expect the defense to be improved. But it's six days into the Browns game, guys right like relax the, these I I said in the group chat I said these things don't happen overnight it, it's it, not it's not gonna just click
0: and let's be real here i I really hate to say this because I know we joked about this at the beginning of the year but I'm kind of nervous to play the Browns and it's not because of anything that I believe our offense can't do obviously miles Garrett gonna be a huge uh huge factor on that defensive line for Cleveland but I'm kind of scared of Baker Mayfield. <laughs> that, well, like, that kid's I mean, good.
1: Do whatever the Chargers did. Yeah, I mean the the yeah. Chargers that that surprised me. Um, you know, but uh, the big thing to me with with the Bucks was their offense had trouble getting going in the first half, and we've seen this before, right? That this this was essentially the Pittsburgh game.
0: This was just a textbook Bucks game. They make it interesting. It came down to the last play. <laughs>
1: like, yeah, and, and and well, actually, I'll, I I want to say a few things about the last play too. Oh yeah, um, of course, man, of course. But um, you know, the Bucks defense seems to play better at home. I think every defense plays better at home um, than you would on the road, just because you know it's easier to communicate. It's it's easier, you know, just that that feeling that that you're at home. It's it's a much easier feeling. It's much easier to... You, know, you don't have the, the loud crowd or n- nothing like that. So, yeah, um, it, it's much easier. So, I think the Bucks defense does play a bit better. But, I mean, yeah, the, the Bucks could lose the rounds. Um, oh, God. And, and am I saying that they will? Um, I'm not going to say that yet because I'm not going to give away my prediction. But, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean... And really, everybody's gonna look at oh, the Bucks lost to the Browns. That's not a, that's not a bad thing to me anymore. The the Browns are good. The, the Browns are they, you know, they're not they're not the. It would be different if the Browns were like zero six now. It would be different, right? But the the Browns have actually, you know, they should have beat the Raiders, right? They should have beat the Saints if if all them kicks go through, by their kicker, they beat the Saints. They should have beat the Steelers. I mean, this team could easily be undefeated right now. Yeah, I in, mean, it's, the cra- it's crazy to the think. Rams but in and, and
0: Kansas yeah. City,
1: yeah, and they could. They're no joke. Just because they're the Browns, I mean, doesn't mean doesn't mean a single thing. Um, so, I mean, the Bucks can't take them lightly. I don't think the Bucks will take them lightly, and it yeah, it's going to be a test.
0: Definitely, definitely. Now, talking about some of the good that came out of the game on Sunday. There wasn't a lot in the first half, I'll say, but some of the things that you know I really do want to recognize first and foremost on the defensive side of the ball are, are just guys we've talked about before: Carl Nassib and Jason Pierre-Paul. These guys are godsends, all right. <laughs> like one series, these guys put up back-to-back plays, and it was the uh, it was the Nassib tipped pass, and then the I don't very understand next why they're play, not playing anymore. And then the very next play was the JPP sack which puts JPP on 5 for the year. I think the Bucks defense has a total of 9 and JPP has total 5. Nine, of those. Yep. Um but the thing with you know the thing with bringing up Carl Nassib, he had the tipped pass the play before, but the way that the play was designed on the very next play that defense came out, you've got your two interior linemen, they basically went out wide, Gerald McCoy and um oh god, who else? It was Nassib. Yeah, it was Nassib, because he had Vinny Curry on the left. So, the way that play was designed, if Jason Pierre-Paul didn't get there for the sack, guess who was going to be there for the sack? It was Carl Nassib. And just to think that this guy was that close to having two big plays in a row, these guys are out there doing their jobs, and I'll agree with you, man. I I don't understand why they're not playing Nassib more. We talk week in and week out about the motor that this guy has, and he just goes out there and does his job. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um... But something I wanted to ask you about, and something I wanted to address here, was that Jason Pierre-Paul, I believe, was doing an interview a little earlier today. And it was basically addressing Gerald McCoy and Quan Alexander. You know, they did a little dance, a little bit of showboating after a big stop, but the Bucks were still down by eight points. Um, and he basically said something along the lines of, like, I'm sorry you had to see that. Uh, we as players need to do a little bit better of a job um, checking ourselves. Now... You know for me, that's a great thing to hear because that's a leader mentality, and you want that um j p p being the most productive player on that defensive line, it's awesome to know that he's got the right mindset. but you look at the guys that he's talking about in Quan Alexander and Gerald McCoy, does that worry you at all
1: like i i you know the the dancing on the sideline thing, I don't really have a problem with it um I mean, I, I just don't. Uh, I mean, yeah, you, you really wouldn't like to see it. And, you know, you, you would wish, to, you know, a lot of fans would say, oh, you're down, you know, be angry. Well, I mean, all right, these guys are they're getting hype They're They just stopped them. And then they, you know, they stopped them. The offense gets the ball back. The offense then started to roll. And you know it uh, really just it, it's it's tough because I, I can it's see like both a, sides I, I a, can see the side where okay oh you don't you don't do that do this do this but I but, I can also see the side that says you know oh my god we'll just let them live or something like that you know
0: you know there's a there's a fine line between being be, having the right mentality, having a winning mentality, I guess, which is the way of looking at it, you know, a champion's attitude where you're just humble and you do. Yeah, but, I mean, do,
1: th- but does that show that they have a loser's
0: mentality? No, of course not. But the other side of it is, you know, these guys are celebrating a big stop because, regardless, you can't take it away from them. They had a big stop right there, so which is, you know, obviously positive reinforcement for each other because we're like, all right, we're rolling, Let's make something happen, and it's getting these guys up in a good mood. So I can totally see what you're talking about. I mean, that's kind of where you were going with that, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, they made a good play. Let, let, them, let them have fun. I don't <laughs> – obviously, I I, mean, I I don't really and, – and defense is one of those things that, like, I think you need to have – need to get hype for the most. Like, you can get hype on offense or whatever, but defense is one of those where it, it like – like you have like you gotta have like the attitude to play on defense, you know? gotta be a dog. Yeah, yeah, there you go.
0: I got you. I got you. So we're talking about some good things from the game against Atlanta. something else I wanted to bring up, and we mentioned him a little bit earlier, but Peyton Barber, um I gotta say Peyton Barber played one of his best games as a starter. Now, he didn't put up any record-breaking stats like our buddy Mike Smith, but he was running with a purpose. I mean, I think at the end of the day, he averaged a little over five yards per carry. I don't remember the exact number. Um, but when you look at an average Peyton Barber game, we're talking two, three yards per carry, and that's what you're used to. But to see him break out on a couple of runs and then just continually, like like I said, he ran with a purpose, man. He, he looked like a starting running back out there.
1: Yeah. I mean, this was easily his best game, and – the, the Bucks needed it. They, they really did. It was just that too little, too late that, you know, the Bucks were getting the run game going, but then they get down and they have to abandon the run game, and it was just a bad mix.
0: Yeah. Now, Peyton Barber did look good. Obviously, there's another running back in the mix, and that's Ronald Jones, the second-hour look He didn't look bad. He didn't look bad, and you know what I'm happy about? I'm happy that he can catch a damn football Yeah. <laughs> because... That's where I was paying the most attention. Every time they tossed a football, every time they found Ronald Jones on a screen, on a little dump route, I like clenched every time they tossed the ball to him because I didn't know if he was just going to drop it. But to his credit, he made some pretty nice snags. and I think you get him out there as a rotational, maybe use him as a third down guy, get him on a screen. He looked good whenever he got the ball. So I can't be too (laughs) uh, unhappy about that as well. Ronald Jones... Looked pretty good. But now, let's talk about that last play. The last play of the game. Now, here's the scenario if you didn't watch the game. I'm sure you did. But the Bucks are on the 20-yard line, I'd say, right? Um, yeah. The the Bucks are on the 20-yard Seven line. Seven seconds in. left. Seven seconds left in the game. Jameis Winston, uh, shotgun position. He's the only guy back there. You've got everybody lined up, Falcons are playing a prevent defense, everybody's way back in the backfield, Jameis gets the snap, tucks it, runs forward about 15 yards, laterals it over, I want to say it was to Humphreys, and he wasn't able to clearly get a hand on it, and then Mike Evans was right there, and so that part of the play really freaked me out. Because I was all, I was already standing up in my room a couple of inches away from my TV watching this happen. I was yelling the whole time. So these guys had like a bobble for the ball. They spun around. Finally, Mike Evans gets a hold on it. And there's one guy wide open at an angle behind Mike Evans. And that is Deshaun Jackson. Mike Evans goes to toss the ball to Deshaun Jackson. And if Deshaun Jackson catches that football, I guarantee you he would have scored and won the game. Deshaun Jackson even said... If he caught that football, he would have walked it in backwards. Now, here's the thing, is that Deshaun Jackson didn't catch that football. It rolled out of bounds, time expired, and the Buccaneers lost. And I gotta say, that was one of the most brutal finishes to a game, because I think Deshaun Jackson did a pretty good job at expressing just how frustrated everyone was watching that game. But... It was so close to working. (laughs) Like... I think that's why we're still talking about it. I think that's why we're about to spend a whole segment here on the show talking about it, because it was executed fairly well. But the argument that I've heard is, was it Mike Evans' fault, or was it Deshaun Jackson's fault? Because he couldn't hang on to the ball, but you had brought up, and, and really just looking back at it, it wasn't a very well-thrown ball. Um, But let's break down this last play, man. Uh... How are you? Uh, how are you
1: feeling on it? Uh, yeah, so I liked it. You know, I I did. I actually liked it. Um, I thought I... that it was it was something different. It was something unorthodox.
0: Oh yeah, nobody expected that. Like even when they did it and Jameis tucked the ball and ran, I literally said out loud, "I was like, what the hell are you doing?" It was one of those
1: things. Yeah. I didn't I I didn't say anything because well, as soon as they started to do it, I it had come back to me. I was like, Oh, they did this during sort of training camp. I actually have I'll see if I can send you the video. I actually have a video of them doing this. Um we and had talked I never about it on we, the
0: show here actually. I think it was during you know you've got the video. It was during during your training camp coverage. So we had talked yeah. about this play before because yeah. you said this is literally a play that was made for a situation to win or lose the game with like seven seconds left.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, and at first I didn't get it looking back on it and looking back at, you know, the, the whole situation. Yeah. Um, I liked it though. And the big problem when I kept looking at it was when, you know, they, they went back and Evans gets the ball. Now, Evans I don't think was supposed to get the ball.
0: Oh no, I think it was supposed to go I think Humphreys. It was supposed supposed to to go Winston.
1: It was supposed no, it was supposed to go Winston, Humphreys, Jackson. Yeah. But Humphreys bobbled the ball, which Jameis Winston, I believe, actually thought that he had more time than he actually did, and he got upended and actually um, And he got like almost flipped over. So he threw the ball more than he wanted to. And Humphreys couldn't handle it. And once Humphreys couldn't handle it, he kept bobbling up, bobbling it. And Mike Evans got the hold of it. Now Mike Evans has to literally turn his body to get from his left side to his right side. Yeah, Throw the ball. Throw the ball. And then it ends up getting right through Deshaun Jackson's legs. Game over. But, you know, it was executed well until Mike Evans got the ball because it was not a good throw. If it's a good throw, the Bucs win. The, the, the Bucs win, and it was literally, it would literally be one of the greatest
0: Ending endings, endings to a game out.
1: In, in a long time because... I mean, I even screenshot it because there was a few people in our group chat that thought that it wasn't a touchdown. I had screenshotted it, and all I said was, at this screenshot, the ball is already out of Evans' hands, and Deshaun Jackson is just standing there, and there's not one Falcon near him. That's a touchdown. If it's a better ball and Deshaun Jackson can catch it, can catch it, it's a touchdown. Easily right. a touchdown. And, and, and Like, he's, looking... he's not lying when he said he would have walked in backwards. He's not lying.
0: Yeah, and, you know, a lot of people can look at that screenshot of where the ball ends up because the reference point that I see is the point where it's pretty much already through Djax's legs. And they're saying if he catches the ball right there, you've got three Falcons defenders coming up to him at the goal line. But what a lot of people fail to remember is that Deshaun Jackson at – his age, he's still one of the fastest players in the NFL. Yeah, there's no doubt that he would have had a fighting chance to die for the pylon, and, and he would have get a yeah. touchdown. You know, he's that type of guy. He's so fast. So when it comes down to that, he's obviously got three guys in front of him. But that's pure momentum. He either dies for the pylon or just gets skinny and like somehow finds a hole and falls through those guys. But there's no way it wouldn't have been close enough to be a touchdown. Or a touchdown. But the fact that the Bucks were in this situation to begin with, obviously, you know, relates back to the first half, shooting yourself in the foot with a lot of mistakes. But it really came down to it. And we say this all the time. This team, as angry as we get with them, they really, really know how to make it interesting. And I got to say, that was probably the best game uh, that I watched all Sunday long. But... <clears throat>
1: Um, I don't know, that that Kansas City-New England game is pretty good.
0: It it was, man. It it definitely came down to it. Um, Let's talk about these officials. We've talked about them every week up until... Every week, yeah.
1: And you're always going to as well. Dude,
0: it is... I should just make it my segment, because I feel like nobody else is talking about this the way that we should be talking about this. You know, you can look at penalties and bad calls, and you can roll your eyes and pretty much say that that's part of the game, but... Here is here is what we have. Like, here is what I specifically wrote down that just made my skin so angry. So we've got a hands to the face call on Gerald McCoy with a clear offensive holding, and then later on, you've got an illegal formation call on Mike Evans after a clear defensive pass interference. I I mean, he got hit by a fucking truck. I don't remember who. I I don't (laughs) remember who. I want to say it was Brian Poole who had the defensive pass interference, but he he got a good lick on him, and that wasn't called. It was a legal formation. And then speaking of Brian Poole, the Brian Poole hit on Jameis Winston. That was bullshit. Um, looking yeah. back on it, I am so glad that Ryan Jensen was just on his ass after that you know, obviously, it made a little bit of a scuffle. That's what Ryan Jensen, the type of player he is. We've talked about that here before. But that was, I mean, that was that was ridiculous. The fact that that wasn't called. Because Jameis, obviously, you know, heading out of bounds. It's clear that the play is over. He's done. He's going out of bounds. And then Brian Poole tucks the shoulder and lays a lick on him. Um, but let's look at the positive from that one Brian Poole situation. Obviously, the officials... Are just way out of whack. I don't know what the hell is going on there. I don't have an explanation. Um, I don't think anyone has an explanation for the decisions that the officials make. But one thing I wanted to note was that after that big hit from Brian Poole, Jameis got up, like smiled at him, and then just walked away. And then ultimately corralled Ryan Jensen to get back into the huddle so they could go out there and call another play. And they immediately compared that to the Marshawn Lattimore hit last year. Or the the whole Marshawn Lattimore situation from last year. And just to see Jameis with uh, a little bit more of a mature mentality was a really good feeling because I- I'm just, I- I'm incredibly glad that that didn't turn into anything more than what it was. It was bullshit nonetheless. I think Brian Poole should have been flagged for it. But I'm glad it didn't turn into anything, and that's that's something uh, that's something that really made me happy there.
1: Yeah, um, I mean that's what they brought Jensen in for. I mean, not only is he a, a good football player, but you know, it's really, but it's really nice to see because last year they didn't have that, and I mean, obviously there would there would be if that happened last year. There there would be. Um, some there would be some pushing and shoving, but I mean, it wouldn't have happened like that. um, I mean, Jensen literally grabbed them oh, I mean, he grabbed them like like yeah he 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 grabbed them um, oh, <laughs> so yeah, like I said, that's what he was brought here to do the bucks Jason Light was basically sick and tired of seeing his offensive line his defensive line get just. Manhanded not even like competitively, but physically. Um, but, you know, it's uh, it's definitely not, it's good to see. Obviously, you don't want Winston taking those hits, but it's good to see um, Jensen sticking up for him like that. Oh, yeah. No doubt. And- oh, and also, um, on the first Winston interception, the deep ball, uh, Greg Allman had tweeted out today. Let me see if I can find the tweet. Um okay. he said he had rewatched it. Uh let's see. Uh let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh, that ain't it. Um Okay. Um, oh, man, he's answering archives, so man. <laughs> yeah, he's a- answering so many questions. Oh, Buck's Twitter um, blew up today. Oh yeah. Definitely. Um here a lot of missed calls in bucks falcons on sunday but jackson was behind on deep ball interception because alford made contact 12 yards downfield so many illegal contact calls this year but not on that play yeah so um it's, it's crazy man it, it really <laughs> is um and i mean he even said he said bucks were better about penalty sunday was just four for 20 yards i do agree with that both teams were pretty good at penalties i know the falcons got away with some Uh, But both teams were pretty good with them. But he said some were costly, like illegal use of hands on third down in the red zone. That one on Jerome McCoy. The very (laughs) next play, the Falcons scored a touchdown. They were scheduled. They were lined up to kick uh, a field goal. But instead, they they ended up scoring a touchdown. So, I mean, that's a a four-point swing right there. Um, And they they lost the game by five points. So, they would only need a field goal. Which they would have probably gotten. Now, yeah, probably.
0: you look at where the Bucks were uh, you know, situation-wise when they finally got the ball left. I think it was like a minute 12, uh, a little over a minute left on the clock when they had the ball. No timeouts.
1: Yep. Yeah, no timeouts.
0: No timeouts. And that's what I wanted to talk about is that timeout use. I want to say we used all three of those timeouts in the three-minute block. I liked it. Did you? Give, your- give yourself as much time as possible. Give yourself as much time as possible, but I feel like in that kind of situation,
1: you know. What, what does it matter if you have one? I mean, obviously, looking back on it, it would have been nice to have one, another timeout. But you don't know how that game's going to end. Right. I mean, yeah, it, it just. To
0: me, when we started going through them, it felt like we were using them too early. It just. It, it didn't feel right. I personally feel like if you're going to use timeouts, the two-minute warning should be your last timeout or your second-to-last timeout. I feel like if you're going to start burning them on defense, you need to burn them with a little under three minutes left. But I don't know. I'm not the coach. I don't get paid to make those decisions. But those timeouts felt a little weird to me. Um, But back to what we were talking about earlier, um, you know, Jameis Winston, we were going to talk about him. He came out – Had a hell of a game. He went off exactly the way we said he would. 400 yards, four touchdowns. I'll take that any day. Uh, But those two interceptions. And I want to talk about one thing, and then we'll talk about those two interceptions. But let's not get away from the fact that Jameis Winston is a very talented quarterback. I mean, the guy, we saw him move out of the pocket and get away from people multiple times. Um, The deep ball is still kind of eh. But he's very talented nonetheless. And that's something we didn't see from Fitz. It's just him get away from people. Like, we saw Fitz get away from people. But not the way that Jameis got away from people on Sunday. And, I mean, there were a couple of instances where that pocket collapsed. He had to make something happen. And he rolled back about 10 yards and then ran all the way up to the line of scrimmage. Now, obviously, that's not what you want. But it's a lot better than what it could have been. But that game on Sunday, he was moving around a lot. Like lots of scrambles and lots of having to move around to make something happen. We talked about the first two weeks of the season, this O-line playing some of the best football we've seen from them these past couple of years, but with Jameis moving around as much as he did, should we be concerned about that O-line at all? I I mean, because they didn't play too hot against the Bears, obviously, but they didn't look super
1: great against the Steelers either. Well, I mean, the right side isn't good at all, so... Um, DeMar Dotson's decent, but Caleb Bennox, not good. I'm, I'm sorry. They should start Evan Smith and look for a right guard in the off season because that hasn't panned out. Um, Caleb Bennox, the, that experiment, they drafted him in the sixth round, I believe, 2016. Um, that, it just hasn't worked out. And I mean, they, they tried to find a diamond in the rough. He's a decent role player, but he's not a starting guard. Um, Maybe Alex Kappa's that answer, but, I mean, he didn't have a good training camp. So, right now, I would put Evan Smith in there. See how you feel about Kappa. If you think that Kappa needs a bit more time, trade for or sign a, a veteran guard in free agency. Um, and then roll with that because, um, yeah, Beninok, he's just not – not he ain't it. Yeah.
0: in, in Kappa, too, you know, I, I feel like I – well, I mean, I guess we haven't. I, I haven't seen him at all.
1: You know no, I mean? no, well, well, the one time you saw him, you insulted him, so. Dude.
0: <laughs> I hate to bring that up. I had to bring up, that but, up. But I, yeah, had, I, I, I,
1: I had to bring that up.
0: If you guys, I, I don't know if it was the last episode or the episode before. I want to say it was the last one because we were going into Chicago. Um, but before the Steelers game, I, I was outside waiting on the players, and, and Alex Kappel walked up. I got to talk to him. And I told him, I was like, oh, go ball out today. And I didn't even know he was on the inactive list. And since I said that, he hasn't played either. So if he doesn't play at all this season, I guess it's my fault then, huh?
1: Well, only half of it. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, but yeah, but you didn't tell him. You haven't told these people the look that he gave you.
0: Oh, man, it it was. (sighs)
1: At least he knew it, but you didn't.
0: Yeah, it was a look that I don't want to talk about. Oh, it was a, really? uh, it was like a. I can't believe you just said that to me. Look, so let's let's get away from that. This offensive line is in trouble. Obviously, that right side you brought up needs a little bit of help. Caleb Benenock is not good. Um, but with that free agency, de- or, yeah, with that free agency deadline creeping up, I believe it's October thirtieth.
1: So uh fifteen days
0: from when we recorded this. Trade deadline, you mean?
1: Yeah, trade deadline. My, yeah, my, my, yeah. I, be- I I believe it's October thirtieth. Yeah.
0: Okay. Alright. Maybe it's something we'll see. Maybe it's not. But that O-line definitely gonna need a little bit of help. Um. But yeah, man. Jameis Winston. Talented guy. Two interceptions. And we had talked on the uh, on the game show we did. I said, okay. If Jameis Winston goes out and throws three touchdowns and two interceptions and we lose the game, then I'll be worried. I said if he throws two interceptions that were his fault and... Once he threw that second interception and then the third touchdown, you texted me and said, "Well, he's at three touchdowns and two interceptions."
1: <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: now the one interception was that tipped ball in the uh, in the end zone, and it was. Really now, d-
1: which one? Which one do you blame on him?
0: Which one do I blame on him? The overthrown ball. Yeah. Okay. The overthrown ball. I can't. Okay. I, I can't blame okay. that tipped pass. Uh, I mean, could okay. you?
1: I mean, could have made the better read, but. Oh, well, right?
0: Yeah, but I feel like tips like that are inevitable.
1: I felt like that ball was in the air for like. But that's another thing. He threw two interceptions, one of them being in the end zone, and they still had a chance to win. Yeah. Can you imagine? If if this defense wasn't so bad and didn't allow the Falcons to go down the field in 26 seconds and kick a field goal at the end of the half, they win the game. The Bucs win. And
0: there's a um, there's a stat line I wanted to bring up. It was a tweet that I saw, but it was uh it was about that very same Bucks defense you just mentioned. But the Bucks defense making the near impossible possible uh, since 1940 in entering games, teams with a hundred plus rushing yards, 395 plus passing yards, four plus touchdowns were 51 and one and one all time. The Buccaneers lost with those stats today and a 34-29 loss to the Falcons. They obviously (laughs) didn't lose today. They lost Sunday. But that's just emphasis on how bad this defense is. Like, there is no sugarcoating it. It's the worst in the league. Hopefully things get better. Mike Smith is gone, as we have mentioned several times. But Bucs are going to hopefully need to figure things out moving forward. You got Cleveland next week. But what's on your mind? What do you want to talk about regarding this team?
1: You know, it's this game's going to be big. I seriously think this is for their season. If they God lose, lose this, to the Browns, go two
0: and four, then we should just go ahead it, and call it. It's
1: done. It's
0: done. I'll agree with yeah. you. If the Bucks lose to the Browns and fall to two and four, then I, it's tank season.
1: I mean, maybe if, I, I'll, maybe if if they. If they lose a close one to the Browns, maybe you can say, okay, maybe they can string a few wins together here and there. But I mean, if they get beat by 10 points, 14 points, something like that, yeah, this team's done for. Um, And I mean, I said that they'll win some more games, but I don't know how many more. And I'm really on the fence. I don't know who I'm picking yet. It's going to have to come down to the injury reports because... Gerald McCoy, is still, he got hurt, he's did in a walking ever, boot.
0: Did we ever get an update with that? I know you said he was in a walking boot after yeah, well, he came
1: in the locker room. He wasn't in a walking boot today, but Pewter Report had tweeted that he was walking pretty gingerly on that right ankle. So, um, But yeah, no walking boot today. Uh, but uh, we will see.
0: Now a storyline, obviously, that comes out of Gerald McCoy not being there. Bucks are already thin at that position, but, you know, all eyes kind of start to focus on Vita Vea, Bucks' number one pick in the NFL draft this past year. And one thing that I can say about Vita Vea so far is that the dude is freakishly strong. I mean, we saw him yep, again yeah, against Atlanta. There yeah, were a couple that. of plays that. where he had to change direction quickly. And You know what he did? He didn't change direction to get around the blocker. He just threw him out of the way and started running the other way. That's something we've seen several times from him, but I, I gotta be honest with you here, man. That's really the only thing I've seen from him
1: since he started getting snaps. Well, it's it's still it's still a process with him because, like I said, he's he's missed all of training camp, all the preseason. I mean, last week was literally the first time he's played in a in a game since the uh, Fiesta Bowl. Right. You know. Uh, you know. So. I mean, literally, that's what Brenton Buckner said. He, oh, yeah, he, he looked like a guy who hasn't played since the Fiesta Bowl. The <laughs> Fiesta Bowl was in January. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I know you could say, well, none of the players on the Bucks that played week one or whatever, none of them played in the Fiesta Bowl. They, they, have, they didn't make the playoffs, so they have a plan. Okay, but they had a, a whole training camp, they had preseason, and they had the games. So Vitavea hasn't had that. So I think he actually had a better game this week than he did last week. And if I don't know if you noticed, but one of the plays, I can't remember which one, Vitavea made the play. I think it might have been that third and two when the Falcons and the Bucks got the ball back when the Bucks defense stopped them. I think Vitavea might have pushed the Falcons offensive of lineman right into Tevin Coleman. That allowed Coleman to slow down, and the Bucs were able to tackle him behind the line. Um, so he made that play. So that's a good sign, though. Uh, that means, you know, if if I think he had a, a better game this week than he did in Chicago, that means he's getting better every week. And uh, it, it'll come together for him soon. Like I said, I think I do think they should address the Derwin James, but I do think Vita Vey is going to turn out fine. But everybody says, oh, this wouldn't happen if you had Thurwin James. This defense is that bad. It wouldn't matter if Darwin James was here. would not matter if Darwin James was in Tampa. I, I'm sorry. Yes, it would have helped. But you you can't tell me this defense is, is that much better with Darwin James. Come on. Right.
0: And, you know, that's something that we can talk about time and time again. I know some people are very tired of, of all of these Buccaneer talk shows living in the past, quote, uh, by talking about the Derwin James situation, but it's a very good point. You think about how well he does, obviously it's a different scheme with L.A., but you just think about the talented player that he is and, you know, the help that we need in that secondary. Could he have made a difference? Possibly. Could he have single-handedly it could, it, saved
1: it, this Bucks defense? Absolutely not. He would have made a difference, but like you said, he's not, this this Bucks defense is not gonna even going to be top 20 with Derwin James. Okay, maybe... They're instead of thir- actually, they're ranked 31st right now, technically. So you say worst defense in the league. Technically, they're not. No, 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 no. For they're like
0: some... 32nd in every category. Yeah, but, but I'm just saying, one. like
1: overall. Oh, yeah. Overall <laughs> defense of the 31. So maybe if Derwin James is on the team, maybe they're not 31. Maybe they're like 28. Okay. Because, I mean, but literally, <laughs> their corners are inexperienced. Grimes is not Grimes. Right.
0: Yeah, something something um, about Brent Grimes isn't clicking this year.
1: The defensive line. Well, this is his last year. I mean, I I yeah. don't like to call out players, so I'm not really going to do it. But I have a few thoughts on him. Um, you know, but it, it, Brent Grimes isn't Brent Grimes. You have inexperienced rookie corners. Um, Justin Evans is good, but a bit still learning, still developing. Uh, the defensive line has been injured. The linebackers haven't been the same. Um, which I'll actually talk about. I'll talk about the defense more next week. I have a few things, but I'm waiting to see what happens in this Cleveland game yeah, uh, with, with Mark Duffner as defensive coordinator. So uh, before I say any of those things, um, I was going to say a few things tonight, but Mike Smith got fired. So uh, I, figured, <laughs> I, I, I figured, all right, well, I'll, give him a, I'll give him a chance at least.
0: And, and I had that whole, that whole spiel I went on at the beginning of the show is exactly what I had written down. Along with a little bit more, I, I had everything ready for this show. I was like, all right, I'm going to go in. I'm going to yell about Mike Smith. We're going to get angry. There's going to be some cuss words thrown around. And then the Bucks made my dreams come true and uh, and fired Mike Smith. And to be honest, I really still can't believe it because this is just something we haven't seen from this franchise in a very long time.
1: I didn't think they'd do it. I, I, I really, really didn't. It, that shocked me. I was that sold on the me.
0: idea that he was going to be here for the rest of the season
1: at least. But, oh, I thought that they, they were going to fire him after the season because I thought, you know, well, if he stays, Cutter's definitely gone. But right. now, I mean, I believe it might have been Jesse Palmer who might have tweeted it. Um, maybe I got that name. now. it wasn't Jesse Palmer. Um, Palmer, something Palmer. Works for uh, NFL Network. Oh, J- James Palmer. That's right. I was close. Um, he had even said that uh, – you know, oh, where, did, where did that tweet go? Huh? He basically said, you know, <laughs> back Dirk, into the Dirk Cutter. As he
0: goes, "We'll see him in a D- couple hours." Dirt Cutter,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, man, yeah. All, all right, I'm gonna hang up for a second. I'll come back with that tweet. I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, he basically said, you know, Dirk Cutter nearly got fired last year, and he gave play calling to Todd Munkin. Okay, that's on offense. Fired Mike Smith on defense. And he was just saying, not sure how many more bullets are left in that gun, because that this is all Cutter can do. He, right. he, him, I mean, Jason Light can help Cutter maybe trade for Patrick Peterson, Carl Joseph, somebody like that, right? But I mean, all that Cutter can do staff-wise, this is it. I mean, you you can't you can't do anything else. There there's there's nothing else that you can do. So if this doesn't work, then, I mean, he's a goner, easily.
0: And, and you look at this, you know, if you were thinking about this situation at the beginning of the season, this is obviously a worst-case scenario. You know, if you're looking six weeks into the season, you fired your defensive coordinator, and you're not calling plays anymore, which you have been for, you know, since you've been here.
1: And it, actually, it there's, there's a, there's a <laughs> lot of people... And Pewterport actually thinks this too. They think Cutter might be calling plays again. Because like, it, it, just, like, it feels like it. Like it, it looks like the way the offense is being It's less
0: unpredictable.
1: Yes, but it, it it's I'm just saying the way the offense is being performed, I guess you could say, executed, it sure seems like a dirt cutter offense and not a Todd Munkin offense. There wasn't as many deep throws, um, runs. Dirk Cutter has repeatedly said he wants to run the ball more. Todd Munkin hasn't done it. Now all of a sudden they run the ball a whole lot. Hmm. Well, you here's know. a
0: fact to take in, though. Obviously, you've got Jameis coming back. They're going to want him to come in, get comfortable, and if you're going to run the ball more and establish a run game that hasn't been there, this is the game you're going to do it, right?
1: Because yeah, but, needed I mean, to come back when... and
0: get used to everything anyways.
1: Yes, but I mean, when Cutter has repeatedly said it and it hasn't happened, even with Fitzpatrick, when they just haven't handed the ball off and now all of a sudden Cutter says it and now all of a sudden they're just handing the ball off like crazy. I mean, I don't know, man. And, and you even saw on television, Cutter was with that play calling sheet a whole awful lot for a guy supposedly not calling the plays. So nobody, no, nobody's really asked that. Um, nobody's asked who's calling plays. So, uh, I mean, I'm not going to speculate on it too much. I still think Todd Monken might have some input, but I don't know if he's calling to plays full-time right now. So,
0: I-, I wish I had, like, the X-Files music uh, queued up. You know what I'm talking about? Have that <laughs> yeah, on talk yeah, about yeah. all of these conspiracy theories here. But, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I mean, the way that we are now, the Buccaneers are 2-3, and three, just fired defensive coordinator Mike Smith.
1: The sky is falling, right? <laughs>
0: Um, <laughs> if you would have told me at the beginning of this year that the Buccaneers' season pretty much comes down to this coming game against the Cleveland Browns, I, I mean, I, I might have believed you because you know we predicted the Bucks wouldn't win.
1: I actually had the one Bucs, of those first actually, three games. I actually had the Bucks being two and three at this point. So I, I had them. I had them zero and two, two and two, and then two and three. So. I guess you could say it's not a surprise to me. Uh, the, the way they got those, the way they got those wins and the way they got those losses have been a bit surprising. So, but I predicted them to win this game in my season predictions. But like I said, I'm gonna have to wait for that injury report to come out.
0: So, here it is, guys. This is this is make or break football for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and let's hope they go out next week and perform at home against the Cleveland Browns. But, ladies and gentlemen. That's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, whether it's on YouTube, iTunes, or Google Play Music. You can follow the show on Instagram at Cannon Fire Podcast. You can follow my new page, Bias Buck Fan, uh, on Instagram at BiasBuckFan. Buck Fan. And you can follow my co host, Evan, at Bucks Wave, formerly Bucks Football, as well on Instagram and Twitter. Check out our partners at PewterReport.com for some of the best Bucks coverage in the game. And check out our sponsors at CoolTowel.com. I am Rhett, signing off for Evan, and we'll see you next time. Remember that the Eagles suck and the Bucks do not. Go, Bucks! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.